Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Now, today, we're going to do breastfeeding, and we're going to go a little bit beyond that in the sense that we're going to be talking about empowering and empowering the breastfeeding mothers specifically. And I have with me today, Becca Brown. Becca, welcome to the show. Hi, Marie. Thanks for having me on. A military spouse of 14 years, Becca Brown is a life coach for military wives. She is certified through the Life Coach School and helps her clients make their marriage and life better by teaching them to find true connection and love for themselves, which helps them better connect with their partner and create a marriage relationship that they're excited to be part of. She's also the host of the Military Wife podcast, which further spreads her message of self-love and connection for a better marriage and life to her dedicated listeners. Becca and her husband, Michael, have four young children, and they're currently living here in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Uh, Becca, People have different ideas and better, better, uh, excuse me, not better, but different understandings of what constitutes empowerment. So before you tell us about being intentional and all that sort of stuff, tell us if you, if you were to rule the world and if you were to make up your own definition of empowerment, what would it be? Oh, I like this question. If I was to rule the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> let's go with that. Um, sure, sure. If, if I were to spread my idea of what empowerment is, it was just this idea that we're inside of us already. We all have what we need to be the version of ourselves that we want to be. And that's empowerment, mm. right? Like this, mm. like ask yourself who you are, what's your best version? That's who you are. And then when we get intentional about creating those empowering feelings, that's empowerment. When we then act like in accordance with that version of ourselves that we're so proud of, that we're the version of us that we're so happy to be. Becca, I totally, I've never heard anybody say that, but as soon as you got to rule the world for a couple of minutes, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you good said thing. that. It's going to be good. <laughs> well, you know, it, it really makes a lot of sense. I've really struggled with that because People sort of approach that differently. So I decided, all right, I'm just going to ask her right from the beginning, where is she coming from? How does she see this? So yeah. then very often, Becca, when people talk about empowerment, they often talk about being intentional. So I think I sort of know what I do when I'm intentional. It's the opposite of when I'm flaky or I'm not paying attention or I'm just kind of winging it as I go along. But Tell us how you, how you would describe intentional and why does it matter? Um, well, not to get too like specific. I think that when we're intentional, what I, what I uh, think of it as 
in, in my work in the world and what I like to put out in terms of empowering women, empowering myself, this idea is that we get intentional with the things that we believe, the things that we think and the things that we believe. And once we're intentional there, that's where it starts. Everything else flows so much more easily from that. And so to me, that's really, that's the thing to pay attention to. And then everything else falls into place. Mm, I like that. And I'm guessing that you would say that that's whether it's your marriage or your parenting or your breastfeeding or what. Yeah. I mean, and that's the beauty of it is that it applies across the board to anything you're trying to do, whether it is, whether it is you're trying to breastfeed. And whether you've done it before or not, or it, it's going as well as you had hoped, or if it's going terribly and you, you're so shocked at how hard it is, or whether you want to connect more fully with your, with your spouse, whether, um, whether you have goals for your life in regards to maybe a job or a business or goals for your health or your body, all of it, it's all the same. It's just deciding what to think and believe. And at the risk of sounding a little bit, um, like indulgent, it's this idea of what you think and you believe about yourself first. Mm -hmm. And then it all kind of flows from there. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree because when we have a low opinion of ourselves, well, you've met these people, Becca. Oh yeah. If if they have a, a low opinion of themselves, it's very hard for them to climb out of that headset mindset. And then it's like they become what they think they are. Would that be an overstatement? No, I don't think it's an overstatement at all. And actually I can speak to this because I used to be this person. I used to think that it was better to have a low, a lower opinion of myself. And I found that in many ways and things didn't always work out the way I thought. And so I was leaning on other people in my life to believe in me, to tell me that I, by whatever I was doing, however I was showing up, whatever results I was getting in my life, I was leaning on them to tell me it was okay to validate me, to try. Like, it's almost like I needed, like at the beginning of my marriage, it's like I needed, I had two small kids. They were very close in age. They're two, 20 months apart. And motherhood was just not like I thought it would be. And I had wanted to be a mom my whole life, right? Like, it's just that classic, like I'm a little girl and like the best thing I'm going to be is a mom. And I love that. And it's great, right? I love my four children. They're like the best things I've ever done. But at that moment, I was like in the trenches of motherhood. Things weren't looking the way I thought they were going to. Like dinner wasn't getting on the table. The house was constantly a mess. Like there was a butt print on the couch of my butt because I just couldn't get up. Like it was terrible. And my husband would come home from work and I would think, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And I needed, like at the time I thought, I need him to come home and tell me it's okay. Oh, That that this is hard Mm -hmm. and that I'm doing a great job, even though I don't think I'm doing a great job. But the problem is, is uh, other people just aren't, aren't, as good at filling our needs at validating ourselves as, as we think they should be, or we think they are. And so what I was actually doing was asking him to do the work that I wasn't doing for myself. You, you realize I've got like eight different questions on the tip of my tongue here. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking in our interactions with anybody in a day, um, We do tend to tell them, thank you, or we say, you're doing a good job, or we say, wow, that was awesome. But I think what you're saying is, we all like to hear that, and that feels good, but 
hearing it from other people is not enough. It's got to well up with inside of us. Would that be true? Oh, yeah, definitely. And the the other problem is, well, number one, just kind of foundationally, I just think that people aren't that great at taking care of other people in this regard. Yes. Right. So I think like I got married and I thought my husband is here to make me feel loved and secure and happy. Well, like cue the disappointment, right? That's not <laughs> like it just didn't work out that way. And I love my husband and he's wonderful. But he walks in the door after a, a long day at work and like right in the front of his mind is not let's make Becca feel like she's a really good mom. Right, you know, right. Like, where's where's dinner? Like what's happening here? So that's kind of the first thing. I think that we think we're really good at taking care of other people. But we're not, what we're not paying attention to is this ability that we have, that we came with to validate ourselves and to fulfill our own emotional needs in that sense. And then from there, when we've done that, then go out and love on the people around you and tell them thank you and tell them they're wonderful. And like my husband says nice things to me and he thanks me and he tells me I'm homeschooling right now. It's a new thing. And he says sometimes before he goes to work, like you're doing, this is work. Like this, you are amazing. And I love it. I love it when he says that, but I don't need him to say that in order for me to feel good about what I'm doing. And that's the catch, right? I can love it. And when he gives it to me, that's wonderful, but I don't need it. Like my own emotional state isn't depending on what he chooses to say or not say to me. Yeah, and I you're going right exactly where I want you to go because you just talked about your emotional state. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about this because I know that there uh, there are more than there's more than one book out there on emotional intelligence. Uh but there's one that's come along here just in the last I don't know, year or so that has been very well acclaimed. And um, it is by, um, um, I want to say it's Travis Bradbury, but I'm not sure. Tell us what emotional intelligence is. Well, I haven't read his book or really any book on emotional intelligence called that. But I can tell you what I think emotional intelligence is and how like the work that I do with clients and that brings us awareness to our emotions and what I think does is make us smart with our emotions. And oh, Becca, really- remember, I just gave you uh, permission <laughs> to control the world here. If you That's minutes. right. We're going to need to spread that word. <laughs> Feel free, girl. <laughs> so what I'll say is emotional intelligence, I believe, starts with awareness. Ah. Like so much. And I noticed this in myself before, you know, I ever started doing this work for clients is like, we're just not stopping to pay attention to how we're feeling and maybe why it is we're feeling that way. Mm. Hmm. And so, go ahead. <laughs> Becca, do you journal? I do journal. I do. And do you often write down how you're feeling? Yeah. So what I do is like a pretty um, directed journaling experience. And it's not really like, let's journal and write down how I feel so I can share it with my po- my posterity. No, it's all for me. And I don't even generally want to keep it. What I use journaling is as a tool for me to get out what's in my head Get it out on paper and see what's happening because I know that what I'm thinking is what's creating my feelings, right? Yes. So if I'm, if I'm having like a really a day where I'm super frustrated and like things aren't working out, well, I want to get all those thoughts out on paper, see which thoughts are creating that feeling of frustration and then look at them and like, 
are these thoughts I want to keep? I'm not afraid of feeling frustrated. I'm not afraid of any emotion. And I think that there's space in our life for negative and positive emotions. But when I'm feeling negative emotions, I want to make sure it's because I want to. It's with intention, right? Mm, mm. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And on the flip side, I'm going to guess that you think that pushing feelings aside or burying them is not a good idea. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. Because, like, they don't... This is the way I look at it. It's like... um, There's a couple uh, analogies I use, but a really good one I think is like if you were to take a beach ball and hold, try to hold it underwater, right? For a while there, you're going to be able to hold it under, but then eventually it's going to pop back up and it pops back up with even more force than was there before. I think this is what happens when there are emotions that we try to push away or drown out or just ignore and turn away from. It's just resisting them. And whatever, there's a saying, whatever we resist persists, right? Oh, yeah. So if I'm feeling frustration, for instance, maybe as a mom, I'm feeling frustration. Well, if I spend my day trying to push it away and turn away from it, well, then that frustration is getting stronger and stronger. Because, And this is a little bit weird, but I like to look at emotions as like they just need a little bit of attention. It's fine. So let's just be a little frustrated And then once I like allow it and let it be here, well, then it dissipates and it kind of goes away on its own. It doesn't have to strengthen when I like let it have a seat at the table. Oh, a seat at the table. I like that. I I almost uh, didn't catch that. You know, I've recently read um, the book called Think Like a Monk. And in it, he talks, it's Jay... uh, Jay Shetty? Shetty, yeah, thank you. Um, He talks about the fact that we do have negative thoughts, we do have negative emotions, but that dumping them out on other people is like, it just makes everybody miserable, yourself included. But rather, he says, if you feel like you've got a vent, do it in your journal. Mm, Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, and I don't mind telling my journal that I was disappointed today or I felt defeated or I felt angry or I felt whatever but you know nobody except the journal has to hear that exactly and and in my opinion that's okay right so and would you say that we could all do a better job with emotional intelligence well yeah for sure (laughs) yeah Yes, to say it short, yes, that is correct. <laughs> is that part of what you do when you help women with empowerment? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the thing is, is what 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 so many of us miss is the reason why we do anything or don't do something is because of the emotion. And that has a couple layers. Yes. So anytime we do, we want to do something. There's something we want or there's something we want to do. Like we want to buy a house or we want to get married or we want to breastfeed or we want to be a mother or we want to, and on and on and on, or we want to go to the park on Wednesday afternoon, or we want to, you know, take a trip this Christmas. It's just the only reason why we do anything is because of how we think it will make us feel. So, Wow. So this explains why we're in the middle of a pandemic and people are gaining so much weight. Exactly. Right? Because they're thinking that by pigging out on their, you know, ice cream or whatever it is. My sister said to me the other night, no, 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 no. She said, I'm, I'm fine. I, I got my three containers of ice cream in the freezer. I'm good. 
like pandemic what we're fine we're living the high life over here i actually i actually think that people are eating and gaining like the covid 19 or covid 15 or whatever you want to call it i think that that's happening actually it's what i call buffering and it's this idea of what we do to get away from a negative emotion when we're not willing to take a look at it and welcome it process it does that make sense so wait a minute so a minute ago i understood you to say we do something because we think it's going to make us feel something, buying a house or whatever. Yeah. Now I'm hearing a little bit of the flip side, which is we think that, that that container of ice cream or whatever is going to get us away from the emotion that we're feeling, right? Yes. And obviously, or a replacement, Becca, maybe that? Well, it's, it's going to be different for everyone because there are probably people out there who are like, no, I'm all in. Like me and these ice cream cartons, like we, like this is happening. I'm totally happy about it. All parts of my brain, my lower brain, my uh, prefrontal cortex, we're all in this together. This is what we want. And that's great. Like go on, you get that, you know, rocky road and like go down. It's great. (laughs) But I believe that there are people out there who are gaining weight and eating almost against their own will. And this is, this is what, like... It's those people who are like, I don't actually like this isn't this isn't in support of what I actually want. What I actually ah. want is to be healthy. What I actually want is for my jeans to fit when in, you know, 15 months later I put them on again for the next time, right? And so those people who are doing things that aren't in support of their ultimate, what they ultimately want, mm. then that is the buffering where it is like if you think about two surfaces rubbing together, like that's what a buffer is. Like it stops the friction. And so the buffer stops you from rubbing up against the disappointment or the grief. Like I I've heard this as a theme, like a lot of people have felt like a fair amount of grief, even if you haven't lost someone to COVID-19, right. In the, in the pandemic grief for like lost opportunities for their children or, or a different uh way of life. Right. So grief, if you're Mm -hmm. not willing to sit and process it and welcome it and let it be as long as it needs to be, needs to be. Yeah. Then, then you're driven to do behaviors that distract you from that negative emotion, right? So maybe it's eating, maybe it's you're on your phone all the time, maybe it can be any number of things, right. Any, right. any number of things. But yeah, that, that actually comes, I think, from a lack of paying attention to our feelings mm. and an unwillingness mm. or just, and just being unaware of how it is we just let negative emotions be, right? Because it feels uncomfortable, so we're naturally, we're naturally yeah. kind of um, turn away from them, but it doesn't have to be that way. Sure. Uh, you mentioned though, a minute ago, you started talking about the brain mm-hmm. and there is just gobs and gobs of literature out there about the relationship between uh, our brain and how we feel and what we say and what we do and yada, yada, yada. But talk to us a little bit about that uh, motivational triad of our brain. Oh, yeah. So this is really good to know because um, the motivational triad of the brain is just like three things, three reasons why the brain does what it does, right? Right. And the first one is to seek pleasure. Makes sense. Let's bring that ice cream back around. (laughs) The second one is to avoid pain or avoid Mm -hmm. discomfort. And the third one is to reduce effort, which really just means in terms of the motivational triad, it just means that your brain wants to keep doing things the way that you've always done them. Right. So if you have, let's say you um, sleep in in the morning and you wake up at 
9.15 and then you think, oh, I need to work out. I'm going to get up at 5.30 instead. Your brain's not going to like that because it has to figure out a new way of doing it. And that requires calories. So the motivational triad of our brain is basically just to keep us alive. And it was super helpful back in like caveman days. It's not as helpful now. I actually think it can be, uh, it can kind of hold us back from what we actually want. We have to kind of reprogram our brain away from that motivational triad just because our lives generally aren't in danger and like calories aren't generally scarce. And (laughs) the kind of pain that we might, Face is actually not a threat. It's it's fine. So, Becca, back up a minute here with this uh, whole bit with the pain and the pleasure and what I guess I would call routine. Mm-hmm. There are whole books written about how important it is to have your morning routine. And I'm thinking of Hal Elrod, who has a book called, uh, um, yeah, yeah, I can't think of it now, The Morning morning something there's so many of them yeah and in the, the they posit that when you get up in the morning and you always do the same routine that that sets the stage for the day is that kind of what you're referring to and if so do you think that that really does help people with that uh, motivational triad or what well that's a good question i think that a morning routine can be helpful if you're drawn to a morning routine <clears throat> I think that so many times there's, there's stuff, um, prescribed to the general population and like everything is so individualized. Right. Right. And that's kind of the work I do with clients is like, I'm not going to tell you that you need a morning routine. I had a, a client who I was coaching and she, after our first session, she was like, this is so different than I thought it would be. I thought you were going to tell me to get a morning routine and like hubbies to like organize my entryway. And I was like, no, 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 no. What we do is we just decide what it is that you want. Like if you want a morning routine and that helps you, amen, let's do it. And that's going to help you. I mean, probably if you get a morning routine, there's probably less, less decisions for you to face each day. If those decisions are already made beforehand, great. But I think there's also space for people who maybe are like, maybe I don't want a morning routine. Maybe I want to wake up on my own and kind of have a leisurely morning. It's, I mean, it's person to person. But I got news for you. You've got four children. <laughs> that, the morning routine. How's that working out for you, Becca? Yeah, listen, I'm, I've actually gone back and forth, actually. And really? I'm so glad you asked me that because today I was like, okay, enough of this. Now, I have been sleeping in until my, my youngest is three and she wakes me up. She's, she loves her mama. And she'll wake me up and say, it's morning time. Let's go downstairs. And that works, right? If maybe I want to maximize how much sleep I'm having. But just today, well, not today, last night, I was like, enough. I'm going to start my morning on my terms. And what that means is me setting an alarm and getting up before I anticipate her getting up. And I did Uh that. And it was great, right? So, um, yeah, I think everyone just has to decide what it is that they want. And if the idea of a morning routine is helpful, well, then right on. But on the, in the, uh, in the reverse, there are certainly people who can um, have all the success that they want and the kind of life that they want on their own terms. And maybe that's without a morning routine, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, it does. Because I can tell you that I do a little bit of that, but I don't feel like I got to spend a 90 minutes, you right. know, uh, reading this and exercising that and blah, blah, blah. It, it just, it just feels like, 
why do I want to, I just want to sit down and just do what I want to do. And then I want to get to work and I want to brush my teeth and move on, you know? Um, So interesting. I know that you're a military wife and I have right now, I believe three military wives who work in my office. Of course, not that anybody's actually in the office, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I've had as many as four at a time. My father-in-law was military. My sister-in-law was military. So I know that this is kind of a special lifestyle. Um, Do you think that women in general and military wives in particular, do you think they sort of lose themselves in their husband's lives? And how does that play into the whole theme of empowerment? Oh, that's a great question. And that is like that question, that statement you just made has led me to the work that I do today because I think it's so true. I was talking to a client just last week and she said, well, you know, I mean, our life is just for him. And I was like, oh boy, oh boy, (laughs) (laughs) you can keep that if you want, but I know I don't believe that about my life. Like what, what story is it? Like what, if your life were a movie, what kind of movie would you like it to be? Do you want to be playing second fiddle to your husband, a lot of women, a lot of military wives, unfortunately don't see another option. Uh, There is another option. (laughs) And just, it's just this idea that you only lose yourself in this military life, in this life of you supporting your military husband. If your thoughts go there, if your thoughts dictate that that's what you believe about yourself and your life and your relationship and your family and on and on and on. Right. It's just as it's just as available for you to believe that this is our life. And yeah, so the military, like we live in Northern Virginia because this is where my husband works. And I can say, like, oh, it's terrible. Like we just he just decides everything. Well, first of all, he doesn't decide everything. Right. Yeah. Like he gets told. <laughs> told. Like I'm on board just because I choose. I personally now I have I come from all, all the military, all the fathers-in-law, all the fathers, all the grandfathers, everybody's military. I have three brothers-in-law oh, who wow. either are or were military, grew up near a military base. So that, that happens. Um, I choose to, I like, I just happen to think really positive things about military life. I choose to see like all the opportunities and we've traveled the world. Um, for me, it's really positive. And I just um, want to spread this idea of empowerment too. And it's not just military wives. Certainly, the, it, we're not alone in this idea that women sometimes in the home, being stay-at-home moms or not, sometimes lose themselves. And they have this false idea that self-sacrifice, like full self-sacrifice is required to be the kind of mom they want to be or to raise the kids or to have everything work out. And it's like, it's simply not true. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective because, especially because my husband is from a military family, uh, and I have seen them sort of living their lives. I thought, geez, you know, I don't know that I don't know that I could have done that. Um, <laughs> my husband has uh, colorblindness so bad that, the, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't take him. So that kind of uh, solved that, that problem for you <laughs> solved that that wasn't an issue, you know but i often think i don't know that i would want the military telling me every year that i had to pick up and put take all of my earthly belongings to the other side of the country or the other side of the world and you've got to have your health care here and you've got to put yeah. your kids there and you know i don't know i just always felt a little bit like um that would be too much for me but it, you've made it clear that it's all in how you look at it oh for sure 
Yeah. yeah. Sure. Interesting. Hey, you know, this would be a really good time for me to say that because I've had so many military wives working in my office, one time they came to me and they said, is there any reason why you don't give a military discount to people who want to take your courses? And I kind of sat there and I said, um, because I've never thought of it. <laughs> and, then, and as I was saying that, I was thinking, ah, oh, shame on me, you know. But uh, they said, we want to do this. We think this is important. I said, I think this is important. My question is, what are we going to do when half the world calls us up and tells us they're military? You know, how, how are we, if you can get solved a thing about how to prove this, I'm all good. Yeah. And so I am here to tell you that year round, now we make a little hype about it on military related days, mm -hmm. but uh, year round, we give a discount to all active duty military and retired military. That's awesome. So if somebody's looking for my course and they're looking at the price tag, here's the only thing. You kind of can't buy it over the Internet. You do have to use that old-fashioned thing, you know, the phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we all have one. We don't use it to talk to people on, but we could probably figure it out. <laughs> figure it out, yeah. <laughs> so I would say if you're military and you're listening, um, use that old-fashioned thing, the phone. Call us up. Tell us you're military, and we will arrange for that uh, discount for you. So... I think that you would say um, that w what about when we make changes, Becca, because we're kind of talking about some restrictions. The flip side to that would be when changes happen and breastfeeding is a time when a lot of changes happen. You know, your body changes, your baby changes, your life changes. And years ago, um, Dr. Alice Rossi said, and I'm, faking on this a little bit, but I think it was like 1954 or something like that when her study came out. And she said the real transition in life is not getting married because pretty much even when you're married, your life is pretty much the same. The real transition in life, the real change is when you have children. That's true. So talk to us about changes and uh, what our natural inclinations are and how all of that relates to empowerment. Well, that's a good question. So I just think that um, when changes are coming, which, like you said, happen, I just would offer that it's a really good time for you to just be open mm. and drop your expectations, right? Because mm. it's the expectation. This is what I see that the pain happens in our life. We set ourselves up for pain and suffering when there's a difference between expectations and reality. And so often when we are facing changes, we go into those changes with expectations of how things should be. Certainly motherhood was that way for me. Certainly breastfeeding was that way for me. And it, and I was, uh, I was surprised when my expectation didn't turn out to be my reality. And there was mm -hmm. some pain there. And so what I would offer to anyone listening is to open up to it, be prepared to accept what's true for you in the, during those changes. And as much as possible, like just drop your expectations and just see what is like, just let it come as it comes. Mm. That's a lot easier said than done, Becca. You have sure. to, uh, you you can't give me the whole uh, coaching session here on the podcast. But what are some simple tips that you would give? Because it's it's hard. It, it yeah. it's hard for people. Oh, yeah. um, 
what would be some simple tips that you might get give in order to say, go with it, you know, just mm. go with it. Yeah. So um, I'm just thinking like, it might be helpful if we use like a specific example and maybe it is breastfeeding and I can use my own example because breastfeeding sure. was really a struggle for me. Okay. Really a struggle for me. <laughs> and um, I would just say, like, so my, I mean, none of my kids really breastfed that well. I didn't do it very well. I, there were, I'm sure tons of help that I could have gotten that I didn't get at the time. But um, for me to go in and say, oh, she's not latching very well. This isn't going very well. This isn't coming naturally to me. You know, you read these books and you read like blogs and people's experience where they're like, it's so beautiful and it's so natural and like, it's so bonding. And I was like, I hate this so much. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that on the podcast, but for me, it was <laughs> not, it was not Just a positive experience. <laughs> I was like, this is like the worst thing ever, just because it was such a struggle. So it felt like work. It didn't feel like where I was sitting and like bonding with my beautiful little baby. And so what I would say is if I could go back to that, to me, you know, uh, let's see, 12 and a half years ago, I would say if my child is having a hard time breastfeeding, if the latch isn't right, if I'm having a hard time producing milk or figuring out like production and timing of feedings and all those things, whatever it is that I'm facing is the way it's supposed to be. Right. I do the same thing for people in their marriages. Like if you're having trouble with your husband, if things, if you're maybe fighting or you're not connecting or things, you feel like roommates and you're not, you know, you're not lovers, you're just roommates. Let's just accept that and like make that okay. It's fine. That's the way it was supposed to be. That's the way it was always supposed to be. And the way we know that is because that's the way it is. And that's kind of the shorthand for like, let's, let's just accept it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. You're not saying that um, we shouldn't get extra help or that. No, we, no, not at all. You're not saying that. You're just saying, as, as the young people would say these days, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yes. And from it is what it is, when you meet whatever's happening with peace, and it's so much easier, like that's empowerment from a place of peace and acceptance, not extra pain because things aren't working out the way you thought and your, right. you know, expectations are not meeting reality. No, like, okay, I'm having trouble breastfeeding and that's okay now what can I do? Now what help can I find? I'm sure there are resources out there. Let's go find them. And when you're not mixed up in your head about this shouldn't have happened and fighting what's real, then you have so much more space, like brain space to go out and get the help that you need. Oh, I would agree with, I, I yes, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Because sometimes we're so busy being negative about it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm not sure why this just popped into my head, but I was thinking about uh, this book by Shad Helmstetter. And I think I've got his name right. Uh, the title of the book is What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. Oh, I love it already. It is a great book. And he talks about the five levels of talking to yourself. And Becca, this will not surprise you, but the first one is about awareness. Yeah. To just be aware when you're saying, oh, you know, this is so terrible. I am so unfortunate. I am such a failure. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And that is different than just saying it is what it is. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
And so he really talks about the fact that we can talk ourselves into or out of anything. And, and by the way, he even advocates talking out loud if needed. Oh, I've heard that. And I'm like, yeah. that's so smart. I've got to, I've got to start doing that because I've heard someone say, I was trained by Brooke Christie of the life coach school. And she says, you should talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself. And I was like, oh, right on. and out loud. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, we have a lot of negative voices in our world, both the audible ones, as well as the dirty looks and the everything else, you know, um, but if if we're talking to ourselves and giving ourselves the right message, that goes a long way. Oh, for sure. You know, I, I know of times when I've said to myself, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. I can do this. I don't actually know how I'm doing this, right. but I'm doing this. I'm yeah. doing exactly. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point. I think part of empowerment that shouldn't be left out of the conversation is this idea of like being your own best friend. You're being your own yes. best support. And you do that when you pay attention to what you're saying and when oh. you're being a jerk to yourself inside your head. Right. Yeah. And Helmstetter says in his book that beating yourself up becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, for sure. And I, as I read that, I began to be more aware of when I was saying, oh, this is just too hard or this is, too, you know, and you really got to get past all that. Becca, it has been so much fun talking to you this hour. We got to start wrapping up here. But before we go today, do you have any final thoughts for breastfeeding mothers, for mothers, for wives, for women, for military folks, or for anybody who needs your services? Can you, anything that you want to wrap up with, we are all ears because remember, I gave you permission earlier <laughs> today to just. Rule the world. Exactly. So. <laughs> I was like, this interview is over far too soon because no one else has followed in line here of me being in charge. <laughs> um, this is what I would say. I think that um, right now, especially if you're listening to this podcast, just like take a minute and number one, just recognize that you're listening to it for a reason and that uh, you have an opportunity thanks. in this moment to, if you haven't done any of these things before, if you've never paid attention to your feelings, if you've never um, met your uh, expectations with anything but just disappointment and um, sadness or whatever your emotion is, like just give yourself a minute to be your own best friend, to tell yourself whatever yeah. it is that you're not getting from anyone else. That's, that's what you can do. And I mean, it's just such a beautiful thing. I just get so caught up in this idea that like, this is our one life. And when mm -hmm. we stop and look around, when we pause like that chatter in our brain that we were talking about, when we yeah. um, take a moment and look around, it's such a miracle, especially as mothers. I think it's such a miracle and such a gift, all the things that we get to do. And that's kind of the work. Like let's empower people so that in this one mm -hmm. life, Let's like make it as good and as amazing, as magical as we can. And you don't need to make big changes to do this. You don't need to like turn into a new 2.0 version of yourself. The truth is it's already inside of you. Just look for it and you'll find it. Ooh, look for it and you will find it. Yeah. Totally, totally. Becca, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you to all of our faithful listeners. It uh, Without you, I wouldn't have a podcast. And this podcast has been going for almost seven years now. So thank you so much for 
being here today, Becca. Thank you for my listeners. Thank you to all of those people around the world who help to promote breastfeeding, promote womanhood, promote motherhood, and in this case, promote the whole idea that there is a best version of ourselves. We just have to find it. And That's live right. It. <laughs> Thank you so much. And everybody, have a great week. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.